What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success In and Out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with and others who served time at other prisons. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that will help you knock down some of the prisons you built up in your own mind. Today, folks, I have, again, I'm going to tell you how much I really am appreciating my friends that are uh, turning me on to some of these stories. Uh, Tony Giordano, a lifetime friend of mine, listens to the podcast, and he came across an article, I think it was in the St. Louis Business Journal, and uh, he said, man, you got to you gotta read this article. This is, a, this is a cool story, and the Stanley Prince guy sounds like a guy you'd want to talk to. And so I read through this story, and I thought, man, this is a guy I want to talk to. It opens up with, after Stanley Prince returned home after 26 years in prison, he says he struggled to maintain employment as he dealt with post-traumatic stress disorder. He said it was hard for me to keep a job, so I finally decided to save my money up and start my own business, which he has. He was part of the Harris Stowe uh, program that they had just started, and it's for people who had been in prison. And it's uh, Harris Stowe's new minority entre- entrepreneurship collaboration center for advancement, and. Uh, uh, Stanley went through that program, and he's uh, doubled his business since since he's been in that uh, out of that program. But what a story! I actually went and listened to his uh, story uh, last weekend that he gave at his church, and man, just riveting! Just something that kept me at the edge of my seat. So, Stanley Prince, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Hey man, it's a pleasure. It's <laughs> so, a pleasure. what I mean, what a story! I, you know, obviously, somebody who was in prison for twenty six years. We we were just talking about this before we got started. You know, the amount of things that change and and how life moves forward. You know, I was in for three years, and I had that feeling that I was jumping into a moving car. I can't imagine mm-hmm. your your feelings and, and how you felt uh, when that happened. But I want to first go back to Stanley, you growing up as a kid. What, tell, tell us a little bit about what was Stanley doing? How did, what was your life like growing up as a kid? My life was great. I had awesome parents. My mother in particular was like, she was the backbone. She was a strength, you know. Uh, I never seen anyone work as much as her, you know what I mean? And provider, she was a provider, man. Role model, yeah. She was a trooper, <laughs> you know what I mean. And uh, and so uh, growing up, watching her, you know, work jobs and stuff, you know what I mean. And uh, I just wanted to help her, you know. So yeah. you know, because she would come home so tired, you know what I mean. And it was like, you know, I don't want my mother to keep working like that, you know. I'm a mama's boy, you know what I mean. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, man, I want to take care of my mother, right. you know what I mean. Uh, and so uh, I was thought. Going around the grocery store and 
carrying grocery bags for people and yeah. stuff like that, hustling soda bottles. I find soda bottles. I will hustle. I will save them up until I get as many as I can because they, cause back then they had these big old bottles. How much they get you for a big bottle? About like 15 cents. Wow, okay. You know, that, was, All right. that was a lot of money. That man. is. A lot of baby rules. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Butterfingers, because, you know, back then the candy bars was big. Yeah. Man. So uh, that was the thing I, I grew up doing, just like really want to uh, – Provide for my mother and help her and stuff. So I became, you have brothers and sisters. Yeah, I have a, a brother named uh, Anthony. Well, let me start like this. My oldest sister' name is Sylvia. Okay. She lives in Texas now. She just got married, matter of fact, a few months ago. And uh, it was me, then my brother Anthony, then my sister Annette, then my baby sister Robin. It was five of us. Five of you. Yeah. So you know, I was pretty much the big brother, even though I wasn't the oldest. Right. But. Yeah, you know, I was the big brother, so I would like to protect her. You know, so that's how I grew up, man. You so know, school and that uh, sports, what 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 all kind of went on when well, with the, when your world of, of getting into school age and well, see, school being around the neighborhood. It's the thing that I talk about a lot, you know what I mean, and I really appreciate education now because as a kid, I used to stutter, and people. In fact, so many people find it hard to. Believe I do. That, I, yeah, it's, yeah. That I <laughs> that I would never talk because you're afraid I would stutter, and so whenever the teacher would call me to read or something, I would become the class clown because people are going to make fun of me anyway because I'm I stuttered. I really could not you distract talk. him by being yeah, funny. Funny, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would do stuff, and so that's how my education. That's why I never did receive education. You know, and I started skipping school a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so I figured if I skip school during the daytime and stuff when my mother and father was at work, I'd go down to the grocery store, nationals or whatever, and i help carry bags and yeah. stuff like that. But so also, know, back then they had these guys they called officer friendlies. Yeah. And they used to walk the neighborhoods and stuff. And so when you see them, you would run because <laughs> if they see you, they want to know why you. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Why out? you not in school? Yeah. You know what I mean. And yeah. so uh, that's the, that's the time I grew up in and stuff. But but boxing was my thing. Okay. But I had asthma real bad, so my mother never not let me into sports. And so I was a great Muhammad Ali fan because my father loved Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Ali. Yeah, yeah, Ali, man. So I took on uh, boxing. But that was later after uh, I finally got out of this asthma thing, you know, because my mother wouldn't let me do too much because I have asthma attacks because yeah. I couldn't breathe. So I was, grew up in this neighborhood. Let me tell everyone, I grew up in between Kings Highway and Highland up the street from the first DePaul Hospital. Wow. Yeah, so that was a real good neighborhood, working class families, you mm-hmm. know, with good jobs, nice homes and stuff. And so it was the hospital was down on the corner mm-hmm. on King's Highway. And our street is real, real long, man. To get from King's Highway to Highlands long. And so I go down, and I would always go down there because I was a fan of nurses, man. They were so beautiful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> As a kid, yeah, yeah, man. The nurses, they were so beautiful, brother. So it was like, and I and they always smell like baby powder, <laughs> smell real good and fresh, you yeah. know. And so I would make it my business to get down there like early in the mornings. Cause that's when they come and go to work, you know what I mean? And I run down and catch them. So this officer said, didn't I tell you about being there? I heard this day. And so the security guard, so I took off running up the street. And I get in the house, and my mother like, why are you running so fast? She said, boy, calm down, calm down. Because she thought I was going to have an asthma attack. And that's when we learned I had grew out of my asthma attack. 
Because you were able to run I away. Asthma, yeah. No so asthma. I started boxing, you know. So How old would you have been when you started boxing? I started boxing when I was uh, 11, 11 years old. Yeah. Because I, uh, I had got a charge when I was nine. I went to the store for my mother and one of the bullies in the neighborhood tried to take my money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was a big Western fan. I used to watch cowboy movies, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and you know, back then, the cowboy movies, what they would do, Bust a bottle on the counter, and then they would fight you with you. It was like right. a knife. Yeah. And so I remember that, and I saw a bottle when the guy tried to take my money from me. When I bust that bottle open and use that knife, and I cut this guy up real, real bad, and I end up in juvenile for like uh, two days. And yeah. they finally let me go. They found out that the guy was one of the neighborhood bullies and stuff, and they believed my story. Mm-hmm. Let me go. And from there, man, I just started getting in trouble, man. So how did, because your mom, you said you were real close to. Oh, and, man. And, and was your dad around? Yeah, he was okay. around a lot. He just worked, you know. Worked a lot. Yeah, he worked a lot. So what was what what was mom thinking when you were getting into these crazy Oh, man, like, messes? what are we going to do with him? She like, Stanley, if you just go to school, yeah. you know, don't you know you can be something great? You know, she said, if you just go to school, she said, why you won't go to school? Yeah. You know, and I would tell her and stuff, you know, and she was like, just take your time and talk. And you'll be okay, you know. And let your teachers know the words that you don't know and stuff. Cause I couldn't read, and yeah. I was real afraid to read. Cause words look like something foreign to me. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and she was always begging me. And that's why today I'm so lifted, man. I, I that's why I really had to tell my story because I really hurt my mother. You know what I mean? And uh, and this is what she always wanted. She just knew if I ever go to school and learn to read and write, I can do you something think, great. Be just life. fine. Yeah. Well, so let's let's go because and then I guess when you get we're getting in trouble. Were were you with a group of of people that were kind of getting in trouble too, or was was it did it feel like it was normal to be in that world of being in trouble, no, getting in trouble? When you when you playing hooky, you you run into guys that's right because hooky. they're not in school either, <laughs> right? Know? So these become your friends, yeah. your hangout buddies, you know. Yeah. And one thing leads from another: stealing bikes, yeah. breaking in garages, yeah. You know, doing all kind of little petty crimes, and now you find yourself in juvenile centers and stuff. Yeah. You know, and you you go to juvenile, you stay a couple of weeks, then you get out, then you back around these guys again, you know, and. And now you hang. I'm as big for my age, so I'm hanging around bigger, guy, older guys. Yeah, you know. And you're like, still boxing. Yeah, I'm still boxing. Yeah, one of the best fighters in the neighborhood. Nobody wanted to pick on yeah. me. I could fight. I would really say good. that'd be a big deal. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah. you know what I mean. So, be a good boxer in your neighborhood. Yeah, so I just started hanging around older guys and yeah. being hanging around older guys. I'm interested now in older girls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 13. I'm interested in girls that's 16, 17 sure. years old. You know. And uh, and so my friends, they like 17, 18 with cars, and I'm liking these girls, and they telling me, man, you ain't going to better get this girl. What you going to do? Or, uh, or what, what, what you going to do, walk her to death? <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have a car. You don't have a car. You don't have a driver's license. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> walk her to death. Yeah. <laughs> you need to start getting your money You need to up, ride man. a bike. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, okay, so let's, let's go into, so the – because I know you, you kind of skimmed into when I was listening to your story uh, Sunday. Walk us into the nightmare that happened for you when it happened, and and what happened to get you into the world of uh, being taken into custody and and getting the time. Drugs. 
Let's not be evasive of it. Drugs. Man. Was it a deal, Stanley, where you were getting into drugs and then to be able to support that, you were then selling the drugs? Man. Using. Trying to make sure I be able to keep using. I started selling them, and then I find myself using more than what I was selling. Now I'm doing other crimes, going in stores, shoplifting. Man, you know. Did you feel out of control? Yes, I did. Uh, I really did. You know, one day I felt so out of control, I just seemed like my life was just going to be over. And I just started praying. I just started talking to God. I'm walking down the street, like, talking to God, like, man, save me. Like, you know, uh, I really felt like my life was finna just end, man. I can't, you know, it's, I didn't want it to, you know. I, no, I didn't, I didn't want it to. So when you got, what, can you walk us through the night that it happened? Yeah. uh, I hadn't been able to hustle and get no money. At this time, I had a heroin addiction. And uh, I couldn't get no money. You know, I couldn't hustle. It was like, and so uh, a friend of mine, I saw him around the store. And uh, he had just comped, and he had got him some, and he was like, Stanley, you look bad, man. You look like, you know what I'm saying, like death on you or something. You know what I mean? He said, man, you really sick? I said, man, I'm sick, man. I was really dope sick. And so he gave me some of his. You know, so I run around to the house, to my mother's house, and I never used my mother's house. I never wanted her to know that. I knew she knew I was onto something. I never wanted her to just actually know. You know what I mean? Sure. And so I'm thinking my mother's not even at home. So I go in the house. It's so quiet. You know, like, ain't no TVs on or nothing. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking my mother at work, you know, and she's not home. I go up in the bathroom and I fix. And uh, right when uh, I fix and hit myself you know, the bat, right when I ran the drugs, the door opened, and there my mother was. And, you know, I'm good now. I think I, I really have been delivered from it since Sunday because this is something I never could talk about, never wanted to share because I really hurt her. I've never seen nobody with so much pain in their face, man. I mean, it's like she had seen something from a horror movie. Like, she really was afraid. My mother was afraid. I never, I've always been protective of my mother. I love my mother, man. I'm telling you, I really love her. My mother was a beautiful woman, beautiful person. Mm-hmm. She was real good to us. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I just, and that was so hard for me to get over just knowing 
what I did to her, man. How could you do that to her? You know, it's like, and she asking me, Stanley, what's wrong? Why do you hate yourself? You know, because she's a country girl. She's never, none of her brothers, nobody that she know have ever done that. And she's trying to figure out what is going on. We know, why would you do yourself like that? And then when she walked in the bathroom to grab my arm and see my track, mm. she just fell out. It's like, it's too much. Yeah, it was too much for her. You know what I mean? And man, that's tough. And you know, I always—that's why I never use again. Don't do no drugs or nothing. But because she asked me, "Why did I hate myself?" Mm. She asked me, "Why did I hate myself?" You know, and it done like. For somebody to do that to themselves, they must hate themselves. You know, how could you let somebody trick you into doing yourself like that? You know what I mean, brother? It was like, you know, so. You think she had any idea, Stanley? Yeah, she did. Yeah. She thought that something had happened to me in prison the first time or juvenile that made me, yeah. you know what I'm saying, want to do that stuff. This was later on in years or yeah. so. When she came to see me uh, in 93, mm-hmm. she had just lost both of her breasts fighting breast cancer. Mm-hmm. She came to see me and she just wanted to know what happened to me, you know, to make me want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, she really wanted to know, you know, cause I had caught my case in 91. Mm-hmm. When you caught your case in 91, uh, did you know at that time, between the time that you got arrested and the time that they sentenced you, mm-hmm. did you, did you have an idea that you were going to be looking at that much time? No, I really didn't. I didn't know because I thought maybe I've been getting a year, sure, three year sentences, right? Five year sentences. Yeah. You know, I I wouldn't. Think How old would you have been when that happened? When you got this big sentence? I was uh twenty six. You're twenty six. Yeah. yeah, I was twenty six, and so when they give me the ten years, so I do ten. I'm going to be 36 when I get out. So yeah. I'm looking at that, that 36, and now I got to wait for the Fed case. Yeah. And see, what a lot of people don't know is, like, I end up doing 11 in the state. And they released me to the streets because the Feds didn't come and get me. The Feds thought that I was been already, they thought I was already in Fed custody. Yeah. So somehow all that transpired to get me to the streets and to get me to the Feds. And so I get a taste of freedom, and I'm like, what? Because I'm just knowing I'm finna go straight to the feds. Yeah. And then in 2003, they finally catch me. I didn't know they was even looking for me. And how long had you been out? Like going on like uh, two years. So I I go in 91. I come home in 2001. In 2003, January, they come to the house, and they catch me. At this time, I'm selling heroin and got guns. And so now I got a bigger Fed charge. And so that's how I end up doing all the time. Okay, so let's back up because you you did 11 years. Um, and I think people talk about it as one of the worst prisons down in oh Jefferson my God. City. Can you oh. explain walking in there first time, Stanley, and, and how you lived your life in there? When you first walk into Jefferson City, let me say this. I am so happy that place is tore down. Yeah. That is a nightmare. What they call it? The walls? Yep, the walls. Yeah. When you first walk in, it's, you walk through this big old door. And when everybody get in, it make you keep facing forward. 
And so when you're facing forward, you get distracted by this sign that says, Welcome to Jefferson, to, Missouri, to Jefferson City, Missouri State Penitentiary. Leave all your dreams and hopes behind. And that's when that big door closed. Boom. Mm. And it makes you turn around and you realize you in. Mm. That is a nightmare. That was that was that place was designed to, to be torture a you. It was designed, the whole setup was designed to torture you mentally, physically, take your spirit from you. It was scary, man. I've I've you know I've seen movies about these prisons and yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? But to actually be to go there and now you know you finna be in her. Yeah. It was crazy. So when you walked in there, the um Kind of walk us through that. Did was it a uh, two man cell? Was oh uh, yeah, it was a two man cell. Yeah, they put you in a two man cell, and back then they just put you in the open cell, wherever cell is open. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how a lot of guys was getting molested. They mm-hmm. put you in cells where guys been locked up forever. Mm-hmm. You don't know no better. You know, you go to sleep, and all of a sudden somebody choking you out. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. So it was like. And you would hear these moaning and crying, people asking for their mamas and stuff, man. And people pleading, don't do me like this. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, guys, you would actually hear this stuff. And people want to know why so many of us, that's why I was saying at my, at, at my event, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, why, don't, why do they not evaluate people mentally when they come out of prison? Yeah. You know, they just make sure you ain't got AIDS. Yeah. Make sure you ain't got no more wants. Yeah out for you and stuff like that, you know, and they check your eyes, put this thing around your eyes, make sure you can see. Right. And then <laughs> they just shove you out on the street. Yeah, they shove you right out on the streets. Yeah. But they don't never evaluate you to see if you have any type of mental uh thing going on with you, you know, how's your mindset. Yeah. You know, it's like they don't care. You know? So I'm curious because, you know, hearing and seeing this, this daily nightmare of this living environment, what – what kind of strategies did you use to, to to become part of that world to not lose yourself? Listening to my uncles and them, they grew up in the streets. Mm-hmm. My friends, like I was telling you, now I grew up hanging out with older guys right. who had done time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so they they'd be sitting around talking about the stuff. So you listen because you're in the streets with them now. One day you might end up in here. So you're right. paying attention to what these guys are saying. Right. And one of the things that always stay with me is that you do not trust no one. Mm-hmm. You do not trust no one. You keep your guards up 24-7. Anybody walk up to you, man, too fast, you swing. You, you know what I mean? I don't care if it's a warden standing there. Wherever it happened at, that's where it go down at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that inmate was inmate rules. Inmate rules, yeah. right? You know, so you don't let nobody tell you, man, meet me around here, you know, meet right. you where. No, it started right here, so that's where mm-hmm. it's going down. Right. So those are the things that gave me survival mode when I walked in. You yeah. know, so I had I had this mindset already. So I didn't trust nobody, my friends, nobody. Did you know anybody? Yes, I knew a did. lot of guys. Yeah. And I came here from like growing up being out of juvenile, yeah. different juvenile centers and stuff like that. So these guys end up in prison. Mm-hmm. Some of the guys from my neighborhood, they big brothers, and they helped stuff. you kind of transition. Oh, no, I was like staying away from them. I didn't trust none of them. Right? You know? Yeah. At this prison, I went on a whole another level. Now, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, what's up? And that's that. But 
I got off into me. I watched my own self. You know, I really, really thank God that I had that sense of ability to just trust Stanley. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, get off to myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and trust me, you know, so. So what did you do? Did you have a prison job in there? Mm -hmm. Did you, What did you do as a prison uh, job? In I worked in food service. Yeah. Washing pots and pans, the mm -hmm. big steam pots and, yeah. and stuff, you know. Huge that, pots. Yeah. <laughs> what you know about that? Well, I, was, I was at the food warehouse, and I would, I, the uh, at, at Leavenworth, and, you know, the guys that made, I would drive the big truck down and deliver it to the oh, to the okay. prison. So, you know, I saw the whole kitchen set up, you know, yeah. with the guys that were in the, man. <laughs> Those are gigantic pots. Yes. Huge pots. Yes. So, how did you, did you, um, as far as to eat your time up, you know, what did you do to get by? I worked out a lot. Worked out a lot. I really did. I worked out a lot. That was one, a strategy. Yes. That was one of the things I always found me a spot. Made you feel better too. Yes. It made me feel better. You know, it made me sleep good at night because man, uh, I don't hear people talk about this. But you know, the hardest time in doing time, do you know when that time is? When you lay down. That mental is rough. You think about everything. You can run the compound all day, work out, you know, play cards and dominoes. But man, at bedtime, that's one of the things you just don't you dread you don't want to go to bed. Yeah. Because you know, as soon as you lay down, you start missing home. You start yeah. thinking about your girlfriend. Yeah. You know, is she who she got a boyfriend right. now? What's going on? Oh, you know what I mean? Like you think about this yeah. stuff. Well, when you went in, Stanley, this time period where this the state prison stint of the eleven years, uh, family wise, did you have Girlfriend, son, daughters. Well, I, uh, I had a girlfriend. Yeah, a girl I really, really, really loved. I loved her, but uh, she told me she she wrote me a letter before I went to prison. Yeah, uh, she came down to the city jail and she looked me in my face and told me that she's not going away from me. Mm. She, you know, she sent me a, a birthday card. I should be getting in the mail in a couple of days. That would be the last time I would hear from her. She's not going to do this time with me. Uh, that she's not going to do it, and so. Mm. So you knew you were on your own. What about your parents? How did that all play out? Well, my mother, she was. She was still like messed up from seeing me mm -hmm. shooting dope. Let's just say it the way it was. Mm -hmm. That needle in my arm, you know. But she was also like happy now that she know she know where I'm at now. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, ain't no drugs in prison. That's what she's thinking. Right. You know, but she's thinking now I'm free from drugs. This might be the chance to help me get my life together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She's thinking that prison going to save me. And it did. Mm -hmm. It really did. You know, it took a while, but it did. Okay, now let's fast forward into the fact that you get out of this mess pit mm -hmm. and you're in between the state and the federal somehow. Mm -hmm. And 
how does this? Did they just break down the door and say, "Stanley Prince, you're under arrest. We we we've messed up. We got you." Yes. Okay. It's my nephew's birthday. Yeah. And I'm taking him shopping. Stuff was birthday, and I got a pocket full of drugs, heroin. I'm selling heroin at this time, and the guy called me. Let me ask you this: When you got out from state Mm -hmm. and you're in this, were you? Did you automatically think, man, I'm going back in hard. I'm going to get, you know, right back into the drug deal. I'm going to get the money rolling. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And that's what happened. You know, I, I did that. You know, because I was illiterate. But you got to understand at this time. I'm, and this is what you knew. Yeah, this is what I knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I done it, you know. and So it's your nephew's birthday. Yep. And we, I go back to the house. I want to, I don't really trust this guy. I'm like, I need to go with a gun to deliver with this guy because it's always something with him. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I want to do it, but I'm going to go home and get my gun. As soon as I drove up in the driveway, they came from everywhere. The feds. Surrounded. They surrounded the car. They was like, man, you, I went to the state for assault on police officers. So they got in their mind that I'm real dangerous. Sure. And they... They've read told, your file. Yep, and they was told he loved the kids. Okay. Excuse me. He's not going to put the kids in danger, and he has a car full of kids right now. Get him. And so that's why they jumped down on me when they did. Mm. You know, so because they knew I was insane. So I stuck my hand out the door, and they, my hands out. See that my hands was clear and stuff. So they take you. Um, I don't know how long that was between then and the sentencing. Um, and then how much time they say they're going to give you? They say they're going to give me 188 months. And I'm like, but if you tell something, tell us where you get your drugs from, Mm -hmm. we'll give you a shorter sentence. Mm -hmm. So I fired my attorney. I'm like, come on, you trying to make me a rat? Yeah. You know, make the time even that much harder. harder, Right. So I'm like, man, give me my time. Mm Mm-hmm. So I took it. I took the 188 months. They wouldn't come down from it. I didn't want to keep staying in the county jail forever and ever. I'm like, come on with it. Let's get this time rolling. Mm-hmm. So they give me 188 months. And, uh, it's a lot to swallow. Yes. After you'd already done 11. Yes. You know. So where do they send you? They, they first, the first prison I went to was USP Terry Hut. Okay. And in, the date, the Indiana, first. right? Right. Yeah. The first day in, a man get killed on the phone. Mm. We go on lockdown. Mm. We come off lockdown. Another guy stabs a guard. All you seen in USP Terry Hut, man, was stabbing, stabbing. That place, I thought Jefferson City was bad. Terry Hut, man, was like you knew you was in federal penitentiary. Well, did you feel like it was uh, different from... The, between the state and the federal. Yeah, we, I was thinking it was going to be better because you hear people always talking about the feds feeds you good. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's not as many federal prisoners either. I think yeah. there's 230,000 federal prisoners in the United States. And I think there's 2.4 million states. So the, the federal prison system, everybody thinks that it's huge, but there's not nearly as many. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's always interesting to hear guys that have been in both Places, mm-hmm. you know, between mm-hmm. the state and the Fed. Right. But it was violent. Oh, violent. 
Did Maybe. you know anybody when you went in there? Yeah, I knew a few guys. Yeah. Did that help you transition in? No, it, it was like it made me stay away because yeah. these guys was from a different side of town in St. Louis. You know, when you go to the federal penitentiary, you're on homie time. Mm-hmm. You know, you get with your St. Louis guys. You get with your Chicago guys. Right. You get with the Crip buddies. Mm-hmm. You get on count. You know, you either with the Crips. You yeah. feel, you're on the you with the Bloods. You with the Vice Lords, the GDs. You with the... Uh, uh, White supremacists, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You with the Muslims, yeah. you with the Moorish Americans, you with the Christians, everybody got their little cliques, mm-hmm. you know, you you get involved in. And that's how the them. yards run. That's how they, yeah. Yeah, it's that's not right. run by the federal uh, correctional officers, it's run yeah. by who runs the yard, <laughs> yes. which is a, is the gangs, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So did you, did you, were you able to assimilate into that world pretty easily? No, it was rough. Yeah. Because I don't trust. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. from the streets. I don't trust. You know, so it was like I stand out to myself. You know, I came here alone. I caught my time alone. Mm-hmm. I stand alone, you know. Mm-hmm. But the federal system won't let you because of the highest run, highest ran and all these different people. So you have to be able to sit in a certain area. Yeah. You can't go over here and sit because it's the crip time for them yeah. to be overheard. Yeah. You know, it's like, it was crazy, man. Don't sit in people's spots, spots. in prison. Oh, man. <laughs> Tell me. That's the craziest thing. I remember yeah. we, we'd see guys uh, when we had movie night uh, yes. in, in the gym, and the, a new guy would come in, and you'd see him bouncing all over the place because right. he didn't know where to sit. That's how you'd know he's a new guy. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> because the poor guy. The poor guy. He's going to miss the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So getting into that, and, and now you're further away from home, obviously. Right. Uh, and you're, you know, you're not getting visits because, you know, sometimes I think, you know, the visits are something that give you a feeling that you can sit on the – I always felt like when you got a visit, you were almost like sitting on the fence. You could have one leg – in the prison world and one leg in the free world. And it felt, and I think that's why it was so hard when they left because you got pulled back into that prison world, knowing that that wasn't your world. But that time that you had was really special. You know, you appreciate it. And I always thought, you know, a lot of people didn't get visits because either they were all around, you know, the world and, and miles away. You know, you're only supposed to be 500 miles away, but that, that rule gets broken a lot. Yes. yes. But the um, – how did you handle hard days in prison? Working out. Yeah. That was the thing for me. It really helped me survive a lot, you know. Did it help that people knew you were a good boxer? Yeah. Yeah. I bet it did. (laughs) Did you teach guys how to box? Yes. Yeah. One of the guys uh, went home and became a pro fighter. I I was going to, I'm going to do another uh, slideshow about that. You know, these guys. He actually came home from learning from you. You mentoring him and became a boxer. Yeah. I helped keep him in shape. He already knew how to box. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he wanted to get tuned up because he's going back home yeah. and he's and he promised, man, he gonna he, he gonna become a pro and he did, man. Sent me the the films of uh his first fight yeah. and everything. So his name's Jawan Noble. I will have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Did he have a decent career? Yeah, he had a decent career. Yeah. I think uh 
something happened. He had an accident or something, and so now he's just living for God. Yeah, you know. So, did you ever have to spend any time in the hole? Wow, did I? Yeah, man. So you got to understand, I was in a lot of pain from what I done to my mother. Yeah. So any little thing could tick me off in prison. Yeah. I had an attitude. You're a powder keg. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you no. Know, once I get upset, I'm already dealing with pain. So to keep from dealing with this pain, you just made. Yeah. You just gave me an excuse to take some of it out on you, you yeah. know. But I wasn't the type of guy to walk around bully nobody. That's why I have so many friends from prison yeah. on my Facebook. They love me. They see me. They like, what's up, Prince, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, but that's- what a great name to have in prison, too, Prince. <laughs> Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> a lot of guys need uh, nicknames. You yes. just for Prince. Yeah, that was just my name, right? <laughs> right, man. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I was yeah. Cass. I was not Prince. Yeah, yeah. he was Cass, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, Prince is yeah. cool. How do you pronounce your last name? Cassidy. I was just Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. But, you know, there was a lot of different guys that had so many different names. And, you know, we had Tree Liquor and Droopy <laughs> and uh, Butterbean. And, I mean, I could, yeah. you just go on and on. Moon Cricket. There was all kinds of yeah. different people out there. that, But they, the, the thing of it was, is uh, it was – that was one of the, the thing about prison. I thought too is it was a dark place, mm-hmm. but there was humor too. Yes. You know the the uh, it's it's a strange place that you would find humor, mm-hmm. but at times you could have a good laugh, mm-hmm. and you know, and it would kind of make you feel normal. I think some guys, you know, they played sports like softball or basketball or volleyball or to kind of feel normal. They go out in the yard and feel normal for a little while. And, you know, that's what, you know, I always, you say you worked out and made you feel a certain way. And, And that's, I think you've got to have that because, you know, I think there's two people that are in prison. There's the ones, it's like the Shawshank Redemption. Right. Get busy, get busy living or get busy dying. dying. There's only two of them. Yeah. I mean, there's people that are trying to make it, and there's the ones that gave up. Yeah. And you see the guys giving up. Man. Uh, and you see that is them so all around. Sad. It is sad. That's sad. I've seen so many guys just give up, just shut down. Yeah. Man. They just accept it. This is it. Yeah. This all I want for the rest of my life is to be in here. You know, how can you receive that in your mind? Like, this is it. This is all you ever yeah. want for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? To yeah. be in prison, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yes. It well, did sad. you feel, because at the time that you did, you know, it's, and we were talking about this before we got on, Stanley, It it's hard for me to get my mind around the 26 years because even if you don't, want it to be uh you you get used to that routine mm-hmm. you know it becomes the routine you know even if it's, if it's the ugliest routine there is because it's prison it becomes something that becomes so familiar it's a comfort mm-hmm. in a way and you know as you got you know and you went time in the hole you did i'm sure things that you know that were that affected you you know, that made you a person that, you know, you are now that because you got through all that. But as time got, you know, and you talked about this, the volunteers that came in and how you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. uh, Just to think, uh, when my son got killed, well, my mother died first. 
they're like took a lot out of me. And that's be there's nothing worse than you being know, in prison and having losing somebody. That's it's like that took so much away from me because now I'm not I don't have a chance to get out and show her that I can live. Right. I can you know I can show her good, the, what you, you wanted know, could you know be. What I mean? Yeah. And so and then my brother, we was there together and he get out and get killed. So now I'm dealing with my mother, my only brother getting killed. Mm. And so then my son get killed, and that's when I lose my mind. Mm. How I old was your son? Well, he was 19. So I think everything. So you lost those three people while you were in prison. Right. And it's like everything just started coming. My aunt, my favorite aunt in the whole world, she's dying. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, so then my cousin, after my son get killed, then one of my cousins I read about them got tortured and murdered and thrown on the streets. Mm. So I'm dealing with all this. All the death. You know, at the same time, when I'm dealing with this stuff, what well, I, I meant to ask you about with your son, did, did because of this all happening in, you know, the eleven years, and then get it, how did he fit into your world? Oh man, I don't never talk about it until recently, but he never did. Mm. He was never given a chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like, you get to know me, no, you don't. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, where he go? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How did this happen so fast like this? You know what I mean? You know, he come out. Who'd he stay with? His his mother. Okay. And uh, and his sisters, you know, it's like, he come out, I meet him, now I don't get to know him. Yeah. So now I wish I never had met him. Right. That's how his mind was was uh, working. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like a punishment. Yeah, right. Taken you know? away. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Really tough. But I want to say, uh, but when Victor got killed, I almost lost it. And a guy named Randy, a lifer. You know, he had been uh, watching me a lot in prison and stuff, knew I was a good guy. I was one of the biggest guys on the compound, but I was one of the coolest guys. I wasn't no bully. I wasn't nobody that you had to worry about. You know, they used to call me the big gentle giant. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he seen me losing it. And this is a white guy now. Mm-hmm. You know, in federal prison, you know, whites have to do their time, blacks do their time. This is a lot of segregation mm-hmm. in prison. Very primitive. Yes, it is. And one day... He walked up to me. He said, whenever you feel like it, come down to the school, and I'll help you read and write. Wow. And I looked at him and snapped. That's what you say to me, man? Because I'm angry right now. My son don't get mm-hmm. killed. I'm like, man, who is you, man? I said, said, you don't know me like that. You know what I mean? I'm tripping out on him. Mm-hmm. And he say, what you want to do? Spend the rest of your life in prison? Or do you want to go home and visit your son? And that's when it down on me that I still had a chance to visit him. These go to his grave, my mother's grave. It's like everything started coming to me now. You know what I mean? And so I went at it, brother. The best move I ever made, and I don't believe I can say this louder or clearer enough for the audience, but the best move I ever made was to learn how to read and write, getting my GED, and I still read and write to this day. I love it. That is the best thing that ever, ever happened to me was getting my education. And so 
getting my education led me to receive, you know, this relationship I have with God and my friend Jesus. You know, I'm telling you, I cannot love him more. He's the best friend I ever had. Nobody has ever, ever really tried to stir me right. You know, and I receive it. I live by it every day. When I'm going through stuff, I turn to Jesus. I turn to God. I pray. This is the thing that really helped me survive the last seven years of my sentence. And anybody that done time with me, they will tell you, I spent every free second I had in the chapel, mm. in the library, around people that was educating themselves, reading. reading. I learned how to read. I learned how to spell. I got my GED. I became the student of the year. And then I became a motivation, the motivator of the year. I entered into a program, became a facilitator at this program called Men of Influence. You know, I mean, and I, I mean, and when I left there, I went to Florence. I was in Leavenworth at the time. I left work, went to Florence, Colorado, and I ended all program. All I did my last seven years in prison, you know, that's impressive. 2010, my son got killed. in 2010. Those last seven years was spent. Building me. I got mm -hmm. to know me, brother. Listen, yeah. man. Audience, listen to me. Spend time getting to know who you are and know your worth. Mm -hmm. We are so, man, everybody, no, and nobody can steal your shine. Understand this. We are all uniquely made. Nobody can steal your shine or nothing. I mean, man, we are so special. We have to, you know what I'm saying, lock in to who to get to know who we are, get to know ourselves. And you will love yourself. I don't do nothing to hurt me. Nothing. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't fool around with people that's into nonsense. I don't do none of that stuff. It's up to us. You know what I mean? And I'm saying, and this is what I just want to just, you know what I'm saying, give to the audience. Yeah. I want the world to know. Yeah. You know, man, we are so special, all of us, white, blacks, Puerto Ricans, and we all have a purpose, man. We can really get along and have a good life out here, man. Yeah. We can really do some good things out here. That's so, it's so impressive, though, Stanley. You've taken hold and, and just start taking those steps into the unknown because you didn't know. You know how and to spell it, my name, brother? No, it's just it's so cool. And and the volunteers that came in, were oh they God. were they part of that? Yes, yeah. they really that's why I donate and give a lot of my free time to different uh, nonprofit organizations. That's why when you call, I came, you know what I'm saying, not asking for nothing. I just say, yeah, I will come because, see, I believe whatever I give to this podcast, somebody going to receive something. Sure. I'm going to help somebody. Yeah. That's the whole thing, to give back, man. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't have to always wanting for stuff, have to get paid to do this and that. And so the volunteers, if these guys was retired, they could have stayed at home. Mm -hmm. These ladies, they could have stayed at home with their families. Their families okay. Mm -hmm. But no, they free time, they came into prison to visit. Guys like me didn't have nobody to come and visit. That was so special. So that's why I pay it forward, man. I give it back. You know? Well, you made some real... Uh, connections because the one of the people that you made that connection with was there Sunday. Yes, um, there was a volunteer at the prison, mm -hmm. um, and you you played. Well, I'll I'll let you tell the story of because all that work you put in actually created an opportunity for you to get released. Uh, you want to share that story? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was into when I went to Florence, Colorado. 
I enter every class available. I swear, <laughs> hey brother, listen. Whatever you <laughs> it got, it was man. It was so much going on up there. So I find myself in all these different classes. So I end up in the drug or uh, class, and I meet this man named Guanardo, uh, Mister Guanardo. You know, and he has been working in the uh, federal system for like thirty something years, thirty some odd years. He has been working for the federal prison of Bruce. So, you know, uh, so every class, you know, what I mean, we, we, I mean, we would go at it because I want to know, brother. Sure. Like, I'm asking questions about the letter. If you see, if you read yeah. the letter again, if yeah. you know how I read the letter, what he said, like, I was a challenge, man. It's like I want to know. He'll say something. I'd be like, so how can I find out any truth in this? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, and so, but I don't know during this time that when he come to work, because in class I'm always getting along with everybody, always attentive to the class, trying to learn better myself and stuff. But what I didn't know was that he was taking this serious, like is this guy coming here just putting on the show. Mm-hmm. So every time he would come to work, he would ask different staff members, you know what I'm saying, how is the guy Stanley Prince doing? What is Prince up to? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of guy is he, you know? And then when he leave, he'll tell Officer Man, just check him out and let me know how, you know what I'm saying, what he do when he's out of class and stuff. So he's investigating me mm-hmm. the whole time. And so after I found out he done wrote this letter and everything, I'm finna tell you guys about it. Uh, after I found he wrote this letter, he said he woke up one morning and he told his wife, I think I got a chance to help a man get out of prison. Wow. And he has never, ever done this his whole time working for prison. Wow. And she said, well, do it. Yeah. She, he said, she said it just like that. If you feel like you can help a guy get out of prison, get do him it. out. Yeah. Do it. And so I'm being called. After Sue come in, now this, who, who knew that I was going to be you know, but anyway, after Sue come in and visit and stuff, I really start getting in class. I'm paying attention to it. And so now, all of a sudden, I'm getting called to the warden's office. Which is never usually never, a good thing. Never a good thing. <laughs> Brother, look, when you get called to the warden's office, somebody no. don't die. You, your mind starts spinning. Me, right. <laughs> Especially with me, every time yeah. I've been called to the Whatever warden office, saying, somebody not true. died, I don't got in trouble. So right. I'm like, warden. Don't believe what they're saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm telling him, like, man, I say, warden, please. I say, I'm doing good, man. I don't do nothing, man. Please don't believe nothing they say. You know, <laughs> it's not true. You know, I'm steady trying to uh, convince him. But the thing that really got me is that while I'm sitting out there in front of his office, Guards coming out that work my units. They come out of his office and looking at me, walking by, not speaking to me, not saying mm-hmm. hello, Prince, Mm-mm. or nothing, just walking on by their business. The sergeant come in, walk past me, go in the warden's office, come out, don't say a word to me, go about his business. The captains, the lieutenants, then the major, you know, I'm like, they like looking at me like, yeah. You know, He's like, done. Yeah, like I'm done, <laughs> you know. And so... I'm sitting after the major come out. I'm sitting there like a long five minutes. That was the longest five minutes ever before the warden came to the door and say, uh, Chris, you can come in now. So I come in. He walked behind his desk. I'm standing there, knees knocking, scared to death. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, have a seat. I said, warden, I can't sit down. You know, he said, I need you to have a seat, Mr. Prince. You know, so I've sat down. 
And I'm like, Warden, listen, man, I don't care what nobody <laughs> told you or nothing, man. I'm not a bad person. I have changed. I have accepted Christ in my life. I say, man, I just want to go home. I just want to go home and live my last day happy, get to know my family again mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm telling pleading. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm really, I'm, like, I'm talking to the Warden. He look at me and he say, I just need you to read this letter. And I look down and see this letter. I'm like, man, Warden. I say, man, don't believe it. I said, don't believe it, Warden. I haven't done anything, man. I don't bother nobody. I said, I just want to go home, man. I said, haven't I done enough time? I said, don't believe nothing. Nobody don't wrote to. He said, you need to read this letter, Mr. Prince. And he turned it around and gave it to me. And the first thing I I seen was to whom it may concern. <laughs> Those, are Those not don't good. start off good either. <laughs> <laughs> that was not. <laughs> That was not good for me. And my nerves really got bad. And so I read the letter. When I got done, he said, so you can read now. He said, so can you write? He gave me a piece of paper and stuff, and I'm writing my name and stuff, a prison number, what unit I'm in. You know, what he asked me to meet me to write, I did that. And he said, Mr. Prince, Monday morning, by 10 o'clock, I need you off my compound. Wow. I'm like, what? So now, I kid a lot now with a lot of different staff members and stuff. And so I'm thinking, is this some type of joke? Because I do a lot of joking with the, you know, with the rec officers and everything. They all know me, you know. Yeah. And so they used to be playing around and stuff. I kid a lot. And so I'm wondering, if they don't pull the fast one, they don't scare the wicks out of me. And I'm like, warden. And he's like, 10 o'clock, Monday morning, I need you off my compound. And that's when I realized he was for real, and I see these papers say released. Mm. When I see released, it says 6-6-2017, my name. Three years early. You know, and I'm like, what? I so That's when I see that he, or that he is for real, and I'm like, what? Where do I go? I don't have no family. I don't know nobody. I said, where am I going to stay, Ward? And this went down on me. I'm getting free, but I don't want to be in contact with nobody. I'm like, Ward, where am I going? Where am I going to live? He said, you're going to a halfway house. They're going to give you food and shelter and stuff. You know, I said, but I don't have no money. He said, we paying for the bus ticket. You know, and they give me a $25 check and they put money in my pocket. And they let me go. Wow. And in, in the in the letter for those, um, and you read this the other day, Sunday, uh, just an incredible letter, you know, talking about what a model uh, person you had been and, and how you had uh, taken these programs and turned your life around and that you were a good man that needed to be out in the world doing good things. And it was just a, it was an incredible letter from someone who had watched you. And like you said, investigated, investigated. Stanley. <laughs> yes. and, and, but he changed, you know, in that position he was in, he felt like this was the one time he could change a life. And he did. And, but I think the other part of this is, is that you didn't even have time to prepare. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys kind of freak out, you know, they get three months left or six months left to start thinking, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to get back into the world? You've been in for 26 years and now, Immediately, you get this release, and 
They take you to the bus station. You get on the bus, and then you ask this man that's got one of these little square things. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was, one of those square things. <laughs> and you said, can, can you make a phone call for yes. me? Yes. And he hands you the phone, and you said, what's this? Yes. What do I do I'm with this? I'm looking at it like, <laughs> what is this thing? You so know? he dials it for you. Yes. You make the phone call to Sue for me. It was the volunteer. The volunteer and uh you become close with, yeah. yeah. And we are super friends. I've been to all her, uh, up to her farm in Milwaukee and visit and stuff. And then, also, I didn't get a chance to speak on this. You know, my parole officer released me from parole two years early. Wow. You know, so all these things was going on. And also, I'm an actor. You know, I've done uh, three uh, stage plays in St. Louis. I've also done... A movie, movie, right? You know, here in St. Louis, you know, and I'm still pursuing, you know, my acting career as well, which is great. Yes, yeah, you know. So, well, t- talk about this though, Stanley, because there, the excitement of getting out of prison, there's nothing like it. I mean, there, the, you can't really explain that. It's it's a day that will never match any other day because there's not a day like it. But the other part of that is is it it's a it's a mind hack. It, it's it's a uh, your your mind spinning and and you're you're trying to figure out okay how do I get back into this world right 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 and so you get back into this Dismas house. What's what do you start doing? I immediately wanted to know which is a bad place by the way. Yes, Dismas my house. God, good lord, because I'm hearing <laughs> from prison. Guys getting out and getting killed at this place. Right, in front of the place. Yeah, in front of the yeah, place. exactly. Did you ever hear about this stuff? Yeah. I mean, these murders was actually happening. In, at, the, in, in, at the steps. Yeah, at the yeah. steps. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, and, that goes around the prison before you ever get there. Yes. Yeah. And so Those stories have legs. I'm scared to death really to yeah. go, but I'm like, at least I know I got somewhere to go until I can find me a job mm-hmm. and get out. And so that's what I did. I hit the ground running. These men came in from a program called Father Support. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. They came in, and so when you first go in the halfway house, they had these people from different organizations come in, give you their presentation, mm-hmm. what their program's about, and you welcome to come and visit, you know, if you want to get in the program and stuff like that. And so I'm listening to these guys, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, maybe I need to go. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I met Mr. Daryl Colvin, who was there, also he became my mentor, my friend, my brother. There's not that's not a better person God could have put in my life than him. When I come home, it's like this man really, really tried to convey to us the things we can do to better ourselves, mm-hmm. help us get jobs, everything. So I ended up getting two jobs, working at nephews, and then working at rallies. Mm-hmm. So I can save up enough money so I can get a house arrest because I want to get out to the head. That's my house. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be in there. No. I'm afraid. Really? I, I nobody wants to be in the distance. Yeah, now. nobody. I'm afraid. You seeing clips up under the dryers and yeah. washing machines and stuff. It's nasty. You know, are you right, right, man? And I'm it's dirty. My, it's dirty. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing good about it. Uh, nothing good about that place. The food yeah. sometimes was okay. Yeah. Because you've been eating prison food right. forever. That's right. the only thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, Food wasn't too bad. Right, right. But everything else was horrible. Right. And so I uh, started working. I got out to Desmond House. I got house arrest. And it's fast out here, man. Yeah. It was scary. It really was scary for me. 
you know, to come home. And I wouldn't realize how depressed I was until years, like a couple of years, not like 18 months mm-hmm. out. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. What was going on with me? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like something's going on. Why am I so sad? I'm supposed yeah. to be happy. Right. I don't supposed to be sad, brother. Listen, I done my time. I'm supposed to be home happy. I'm supposed to meet some girl. Right. You know, I'm supposed to be in love again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm supposed to be in a relationship. And yet, look, five years later, I'm still not in a relationship. Yeah. It's like nobody wanted to talk to me. So I'm like, what is really going on? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm depressed all the time. But everybody I meet, I'm getting evicted from my house and people coming up to me, you know, trying to give me drugs to sell to get back on my feet. And yeah. I'm like, now I'm afraid. All the temptation of yes, that. Yes, because I'm like, these guys, what you trying to do, set me up, take my life from me? I'm 55 years old. Yeah. I was, you want to give me something to sell, you know, to send me back to prison. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what's, what's really going on? So I'm afraid, man. I really am afraid. So I find myself being enclosed in my house. Don't want to come out. Mm-hmm. And then God finally decided to, to tell me, go get help. Mm-hmm. And I went and got counseling. That's a big deal, yes, Stanley. What, taking I, medication. So, so you, you, a lot of people don't take that step. They just slide right into the abyss. I can't never go back to prison again, man. So you think that's why you took that step? I can't. You did that. That that pain of knowing yes. to slide back. Yes. You I said no matter what it. happens, yes. I'm going to step into the yes. unknown here. Yes, I can't never allow that to happen yep. to me again. I so you got never, help. Yes, I went and got help. Found out I was suffering from what they call PTSD. Mm-hmm. I started taking medication for it, you know. And on Mother's Day, I took my last pill, and I I feel great. So you just started feeling relief yes. from that. So then, the other part of this thing, and I think you know, you you because of this situation, it was hard to keep jobs and those types of right. things. But then, you when you started getting feeling like yourself, you decided I want to do my own thing. Yes, I'm going to start because in the in when you were growing up, you yeah. always did hand handy work, things. Yeah, yeah, cut grass. Yeah, so the, you kind of went back to the. I know that. That's why yeah. now you understand yeah. why the story was called Prince on the Rise. The comeback story. The comeback story paid in full. Yeah, it was paid in full. The yeah. comeback story. I came back to who I was. You know, growing up. You know, cutting grass, yeah. raking leaves, cleaning yards. Yeah. That's what I did. Things that made kid. you feel like yourself and yes. feel good. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm very successful with it. So and then this Harris Stowe thing, you yes. know, you you uh you get picked for that. Right. Um uh, and I think there were seven or eight people that were mm-hmm. in that. And um did, was that a useful program for Man, entrepreneurs? Very listen. Because I love this kind of stuff, these things that help people as they get the second chance opportunities. And I didn't know about this Harris Stowe thing until this Tony mega, told me about it. This mega program, listen, the ladies that, that is in charge, mm-hmm. the facilitators, they know they stuff. They are very successful in their business endeavors. I mean, they are very successful. Mm-hmm. And when you meet them, you can feel this, their sincerity. They are for real about helping you. They want you to grow like them. Yeah. They want you to be in a position that, that they are. They feel like this. If I can get you to be successful, now you add it on to my successful plate. Yeah. You know, you got a plate, right? You got different varieties of food on your plate. Mm-hmm. So you you are a successful book writer. Here's a guy who uh, is a, a, a successful yard man. He puts you around these yeah. people. Yeah, so now you're around... All these people, so this is how they feel. They like let us be, let us add on to our plate. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? And so they add on. So they they believe in helping you. Yeah, they're mentoring you right. of the wisdom they have. Right. No, I love that. And and the thing that I that is is really awesome is is that you went oh, through that. Work. You kept stepping through it. Now you've you've doubled your business, uh, and. And you got a cool car with cool wheels, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I saw yeah. you pull up. <laughs> <You're> like, well, <laughs> yeah. but That's that, my how, 60th birthday hey, present. Let me tell you, though. That, how weird was that for you to get out and start driving? <laughs> I, no, don't, don't ask me that question, brother. No. <laughs> that thing had to feel like it's going really fast. <laughs> oh, my God. My first car was an 05 Buick Century, man. They don't make those. Man, it was a what do you think the biggest thing was that was different for you getting out? Like, what it, what had changed the most for you as your eyes saw everything being free after all that time? The people. Yeah. The way they dress. Dress. That blew my mind. Different. It's like everybody almost naked. <laughs> I'm serious, brother. It was a, everywhere you go. Yeah. Everybody, the ladies, the yeah. men's got they busts out. The women got theirs out. I mean, everything. It was I've I never seen that. It's, like every day, like everybody was just advertising their body parts. Uh-huh. I've never seen nobody wear so many tight clothes in their life. It was I'm like everywhere I turn, I'm like wow, what, yeah. what the world? Yeah, because everybody's wearing the same thing when you're in prison. So yeah, you don't right. even think about your clothes. <laughs> so. It was like, man, and everybody moving so fast. Yeah, yeah. It was, man, yes, yes. Well, I got to tell you, Stanley, I am really proud of, of your story, what you've done, how you've stepped through things that were not easy. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they get out, you know, it's it's two-thirds go back in three years, three-fourths go back right. in five. So and there's a you, – you got into that mm-hmm. – and you stepped through something that you had never stepped through to go get help. Mm-hmm. And by getting help, you got to be more back to yourself. And then you started to realize, I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it, man. And that's so cool. And it's such a success story. And if you were going to tell somebody who's listening, what what do you think you would impart to the audience of your experience of all of this? Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. You have to. You really have to get to know your worth. You have to. You have to know what is it that you want to be the master of your life. Mm. What is going to be your master? You know, uh, smoking cigarettes, drinking, going to the clubs or working, saving your money, being productive, you know, being kind to other people. Which which one of those is going to be your masters? You know, you have to understand you have, and you can't serve both of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my master is being kind to people. Yeah. Working hard. Yeah. Being around positive people, you know, not seeing color. I'm not with none of that negativity. I'm just not with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and not being with it, man, I have awesome friends. I really have awesome friends here in this city. I have them everywhere I go. I've been to Atlanta to audition for movies and have met people. You know, some of the people that was there to hear my testimony, you know what I'm saying, they was from out of town. You know, people came to witness this because people was like trying to figure out, man, where this guy from? Yeah. You know, who, what's his story? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, man, invest in yourself. Get to know who you are. You know, what you worth. What are you worth? You know, what is the one thing that you can do in this world that can make it a better place? Think like that. Mm. You know what I mean? 
That's what I do every day. I think like, what can I do today to what, make somebody what, happy? What do you think, Stanley, out of all this that you appreciate the most about having freedom back? Man, <laughs> working. Yeah. Working. I really appreciate I am so appreciative of being able to work and make an honest dollar. Wow. Wow. That's, that's just that's deep. Yeah, yeah. That that really it amazes me, brother. I promise you, man. And meeting you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. man. Meeting good people, man. You know, hey man, it's hey man. <laughs> it's I appreciate great, man. that. It's great. It's been great meeting you too. Yes. Because Stanley Prince has a story, and it's a story that, man, I, I just think uh, a lot of people can get a lot of nuggets of wisdom from how how to handle your nightmare, get through your nightmare, and step to the other side. And and really, you are free. You've yes. set yourself free. You've set the demons are are back behind you, and 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 you're stepping forward. And I, I just think it's cool, Stanley. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story today. I appreciate it. I really do. For those out there looking for a book, I wrote one. It's called Nightmare Success. Uh, I love the likes. Uh, leave a review if you want. Apple, Spotify. Uh, leave me a message on brentcasty.com, my website. Everybody, what I used to say to people when I wrote from the true links, core links, stay strong and I'll do the same. Nightmare success, in and out. Amen. That's right. Thanks, folks.